Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. Hey, before we get started with today's show, I just want to draw your attention to new merchandise. Funkin' Stuff and Truth and Rhythm designs are in, and they look pretty darn cool. So show your support, help support the program, and show off some stylish merchandise and apparel. Only at the Funkin' Stuff store. I wanted to mention, uh, Simon, one of my favorite tracks, um, uh, there's so many, but uh, one that maybe is overlooked some is um, I Feel Right um, from All About the Funk. Do you remember that cut? Yeah, yeah. With the whistling on it. What's that? Does it have whistling on it? Uh, I don't remember, remember that, that, but it's but it's a little slower and deeper funk than some of the other stuff. Um, yeah. And then How Do You Think is sort of uh, like a Betty Davis vibe almost on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was quite a nice record. Basically, that that singer was like someone like the, the drummer had a, a thing with the singer. You know, it's one of those kind of rock and roll stories. But it's, there's some good there's some good cuts on that record. You know, I think we had a sort of R and B influence of the of the times. You know, that's what I'm talking about being influenced by the times. Um. Like Boogie is like really like of the times R and B. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know that like Jay Jay Diller doing that a doom a doom. You know, like doing the different like you know when you do uh, computer music, you can change the um the the feel of a, a, a of the MIDI notes. The pitch. No, not the pitch. The the actual groove of it. Hmm. And Jay Diller started doing things that were out of time. So in like a four bar thing, they're basically like not in time with the kick drum, but kind of like, it's just like so funky. It's like fucking was like an American invention, man, you know? So we had a little touches of that in there, like, cause like playing off the kick, on and off the kick again, you know? Yeah, yeah, I have to listen to that record again. And the Get Used To It record, um we've got is such slow grinding funk with India. Yeah, know? yeah, that's heavy. And Andrew had this box that he just got given or something, and it was like, and it made the bass like 10 basses. Da -da -da, da -da -da. Actually, our sound engineer always plays that at the sound checks to check the system. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some tracks like that where I'm like, why wasn't that a bigger hit, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. As I, it's, it's not because I, I, I'm the guy that always tries to like um, put the funk back in it on our records. You know, I, I, I think the heaviest fans are like a mixed bunch of people from the sort of pop, more superficial fans that will listen to like the radio. But it's always important to have on, a, on an album, still think about albums, you know, to have like the funk on there as well. So I had this, I had this tune, this riff I wrote once for a new heavy rhyme experience actually. And I was lying in bed with my kids there, and I'll go up and like, bum, 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 which is like on the new record. Um, what's it called now? Uh, the funk is back. Never went away. The funk is back. So, um, oh, yeah, the funk I is back. I like bring those flavors in as well on the record. So you get like the whole 
all the sides of the heavies, you know. But when you say that, I'm like, let's do some like dirty, like Betty Davis kind of like, yeah, like kind of Clinton craziness, which is like so brilliantly anarchic yet so organised. You know, they 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 the George Clinton records. They sound kind of like crazy in parts, but they're so well put together and so well organised. It's more organised than you think. I think. There's one record I just listened to. Um, so I'm going to start doing a bit of DJing. And I think it's called The Electric Spanking of War Babies. Yeah, Funkadelic. The beginning of it goes like this. When you learn to dance, you won't forget it. Yeah, you do, 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 do. It's all do, it's like that. And it goes, bam, 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 bam. You can walk a mile in my shoes, but you can't walk a step in my feet. Up and about. And that is basically like Dr. Dre all over, you know, without Clinton, there's no, Dr. Dre did amazing to pull out that kind of, but also, um, who's that? More bounce to the ounce. Zap. That's the shit right there. Oh, yeah, man. Um, you mentioned, yeah, yeah. You mentioned, um, oh, James Brown was interested in your horns. And I just wanted to also mention, I mean, throughout your recording history, you guys have had such great horns. I don't know how much changeover you've had in that, but, you know, right on, for example, is a, is a track with stack style, you know, really great horns. And you have so many of those. Uh, how do you get such great horn sounds on those records? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another one of mine that I really, it's from a jam the heavies did. And I really instigated that one because I kind of want to do something like less of a song, more of like a chant, you know? So it's not really a song, it's like just a thing. A vamp. Uh, and there's this amazing version of, um, I remember the, the, the scale in this record by James Brown, Get on the Good Foot. And there's a kind of dub version of it. I mean, one of my favorite riffs is when they get away from the rock and all the fiddly dilliness, really to purify playing. The guitar riff on that is basically like, which is like, like status quo, whatever you want. It's like, it's so simple, it's so funky. And in that record, yeah, it's a kind of it's a bit almost like a little tiny bit Egyptian to me. <laughs> so I wrote that those horn lines like that off of that off that record. It comes from that influence, I think. Can't quite remember the horn line on the record now, but uh it's not like it's not so much copying, but like just loving and wowing and then like taking the feeling or something. I think is is um, what everyone does, you know, rather than actually verbatim copying something, which I think is not the way to go. You set the energy of something and try and feel that out and then it becomes your own thing. Some of the things we've done are like start real different and then they end up heavy, heavy as a heavy record, just that's what we do and that's how it's gonna come out. That's just uh, the result of these people playing that piece of music you know well the, the horns especially you know sort of went away in the 80s to a great degree especially in r&b music uh and hip-hop and um you, know, you guys have kept it alive mm. um which is great because i always loved horns i mean they're so crucial there was a time like i think someone in the band was like oh we should stop using so many horns um, and everything. And then the next thing, the next record that came out was um, Got Me Feeling So Crazy Right Now, which is like horns all day, isn't it? But it's just horns, man. And um, in fact, the American horn section we had, they were great dancers. They had these real nice moves. And I think they were like in those kind of drumline bands you have in like colleges where you have. Um, I don't know if you've seen the film Drumline. It's pretty cheesy and sh schmaltzy, but they do a great version of um, 
in the stone on it with his big band, like a whole band, like with the thousands of drummers and and that's what that's the you know the earth wind and fire, you know how you feel with that stuff. It's like exalting. <laughs> yeah, the horns are crucial for me, like even if like the Jerry Hay style, like in the Michael Jackson records, it's so minimally used and mixed really far back, but they still kept like this kept using the horns, you know, on like off the wall. Yeah, just adds a, 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 a brightness, really just a special brightness. Mm, yeah, yeah. And mm. he would just use trumpets, I think. He's just like seven trumpets, no sack, no lower stuff, just for the sonic kind of style of it. But, I, you know, I, 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 I listen to a lot of jazz and um, as well. And, um, there's quite a big jazz scene in London right now. There's a lot of kids, young people, playing jazz and fusion and Afrobeat. It's... Um, a thing now, like people, you do an Afrobeat number now, you know, it's like a, like the Felakuti thing. Who I actually was into real early on, I went to see Felakuti at Brixton Academy before he was like revered in other areas. It was like Africans, all full of African people, but there were like three white people there. Um, two of them girls and me, the other guy. And he did like, he played for two hours and did three songs. And it was amazing. They had this like tree trunk thing, doom, doom, doom. And I went backstage. My friend Ayo, because he's from like Nigeria, Lagos in particular. And uh, I was in this small room, and a fellow Kuti was there, just like right over there, you know. And uh, he looked at me, you know, like, you know, like the white guy in the room, you know, what's he doing here? But I was so young and innocent. He just, he, he soon saw my. My spirit was not out of a, I wasn't there to do something bad. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and I was going to go and see him again, and then he died, of course. But there's a great fellow documentary um, about the shrine. He had this club in in in, in, in uh, Lagos, and he had his own republic, you know, the Kelakuta Republic. Uh, he was a bit of a threat to the, to the system. So they threw his mum off a balcony and put him in prison and stuff, and like, fuck with that guy hardcore but he was really standing up for a different africa a less corrupt one so you know the song zombie it's basically saying like if you put a uniform on and you get a gun then you feel like good about yourself but you're just a zombie working for ourselves you're actually fucking yourself up doing that you're on the wrong side you know um heavy sun did you see him in the 80s? Is that when, or late 70s? Or It's got to be the, um, yeah, the eight, 80s or really early 90s, perhaps. Hmm. Yeah, probably early 90s. In 2013, you guys came with Forward, which uh, I thought was another really strong record. Um, and really more of a band focus, I thought, after you kind of were going more with like the singers. You guys yeah. seem to really come in and get back to the band basics on that one. Yeah, actually, we did because we, we went with this because those other records are kind of made like more on a computer, writing on a computer in at just at, at Andrew's house, you know. Then we go and record other bits on it, you know. And but that was done in the studio, so we had, um, yeah, yeah, that one. What's that one? Uh, Ding, 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 like almost like fusion, funky fusion cuts. Quite quite Brit funky actually. Yeah, a little funk in your pocket, um, lifestyle. Oh, yeah. We had this guy on the, I I I I wrote uh, look with, with the singer at the time. I wrote a little funk in your pocket. And once again, not a song, but a kind of piece of music. Not like it's gonna be a single. That's not always the, the remit, you know, to make something good. And we got this guy to arrange on that, this horn player, and he did this crazy thing, a horn arrangement. I thought, yeah, it's quite a nice, quite a nice piece of chisel there. Yeah, it's Zine, another really tight instrumental. Yeah, yeah, but actually that word is like, I'll let you in on a secret while no one's listening. Um, <laughs> it's Zine. If we're with a band and we see like a, an attractive woman, 
we just say itzine. Well, no, we say Isaiah. Originally, it was Isaiah. Isaiah. Someone says you're sitting like having lunch in a in a restaurant with a band, and there's a beautiful woman somewhere. You just say Isaiah, so you know to look around. You'll find this person, and then we change it into Italian pronunciation. Itzine. But however you pronounce it, like, so we just named the track after that. <laughs> it's like code. Like a kind of code, yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> we do Come coding. That's, that's early coding. <laughs> <laughs> what made you guys decide? You've done some interesting cover choices, you know, over the years. Um, and sometimes they haven't come out in America. Um, I'm, I'm guessing there's licensing issues sometimes with that. Well, I, I think... Um, you know, Midnight of the Oasis was a big hit for us and it really kind of broke us in England. But I think in America, it's a bit cooler, you know. It's not that cooler record, like, it's not that kind of dope, you know, but it's kind of like a nice funky record. Um, and in fact, London Records um, asked us to do a cover. And one of the guys in the band, he's a maker of this section, this guy called Lascelles, he's not in the band anymore, but He's got this amazing record collection, like really deep, man. It's like amazing guy from everything from a certain ratio to like all sorts of like the last poets that he introduced me to them and stuff. And he also put on a cassette he made for Andrew, that tune, A Midnight of the Oasis, which is kind of a country and Western record almost, the original. So we, we sort of, so we, we suggested that and it, it did us all right, you know. You've taken a few like kind of slower, mellower tracks and added a little more dance beat to them. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Then we did like um, You've Got a Friend, which isn't our greatest moment, but it was kind of like in the style of the Fugees because they just done um, Killing Me Softly uh, brilliantly. So it's kind of like broken down like that, quite minimal, not too much chugging on the guitars, just like. You know, yeah. Just, like, commercialism, it didn't work. <laughs> he did Sledgehammer, was another one. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we just knocked that up in a second, really. <clears throat> I'm a massive um, <clears throat> Genesis fan. Um, and when I was a kid, I had um, Seconds Out, which is like a, <clears throat> a live double album with uh, Phil Collins singing all the songs, like Supper's Ready and stuff. And then I discovered, like, more recently, uh, Peter Gabriel singing these songs, and his voice is amazing. So I mean, yeah, that was kind of a thing. That's an okay cut. It's okay. It's cool. The last two records, so I would say, um, TBNH and Sweet Freaks, were a little bit more uh, up tempo and more club dance friendly than some of the ones that came before. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Sweet Freak was the last album with Jan and it wasn't the best of times, you know, he wasn't so happy in the whole thing. And um, um, we've got, you know, we've got the, uh, there's, there's various stuff on the last album, but it is kind of like, the last album was like me and Andrew together making a new statement and continuing the, uh, the journey, if you like. Um, so we, we spent quite a lot of time on it, putting real strings on it and, making it more live and more like a proper brand new heavies record rather than like sort of some perhaps worked out on a computer so much. Um, yeah, so it's kind of up tempo and like we had we had all the old singers on it, Cider, India, Colleen. Like, like a reunion. Yeah. What's that? Like a reunion. Yeah, like a reunion, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know that, therefore you want everyone to have like a bit of a bright bright moment, you know. Um, heat is a really interesting cut. It, you know, it's got some like James Brown vibes, and then it gets yeah, real yeah. up tempo. Well, that riff I played earlier on is like kind of based on that, you know. Um, and that was fun to write, and we we wrote that in, a, in this little studio um, with Honey La Rochelle, who was our backing singer. And she's a killer songwriter, and and we went for a break, and there was this song. Um, shop nearby and it had this um, postcard in it um, that said uh, I'm a hopeless romantic with, with a dirty mind <laughs> so that's the opening lyric that's a great great lyric yeah 
because it's got the <laughs> funk bit and it's got the take me to another kind of like a pop kind of a thing in it as well that makes me think of someone like prince that line yeah 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 it's got kind of like like, like yeah like that kind of head or controversy or kind of thing yeah with the synths in it i love that stuff yeah me too um can you, you play an instrument? Are you in a band? You, you ever been in a band and stuff? I dabble. You know, I'm mostly I'm a frustrated musician. That's why I became a disc jockey. <laughs> All right, <laughs> and also a music journalist too. So, uh, just love music so much. I wish I could sing, especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, I've always uh, endeavoured to, to get into some singing, and that's something I'm, I'm, I'm working on a bit. But I just I hang out too much and I've got kids and I'm busy, but we're starting a new record right now, which is quite exciting. We've got a new deal. Um, and um, it's exciting, man. It's, 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 a, it's a real incredible thing to still be doing a lot of shows and still be making records at, at my age, you know, it's like awesome. You know, you should look, like, look like a young pup, Simon. Thank you very much, sir. It's a fringe. It knocks years off you. <laughs> Let's get some bangs, baby. You'll be, you'll be 12 again. <laughs> so uh, it's it's a heavy uh, record you're working on? and uh, Yeah, yeah, how, yeah. How, how far into it are you? Very early stages. So like, you know, it's kind of been difficult with the, uh, the lockdowns and everything, especially not knowing how long they were going to go on, you know. It wasn't like we all knew we had a year. We had like another month. It was just adding on all the time, wasn't it? And then, uh, then it unlocked and locked down again. And, um, so it's all like early stages. So I'm just, I've been, I've got a few little tunes that I've been, like I played you earlier on a little, like I'm, I'm just working on that and um, putting some stuff together with that, bring it to the band. Hopefully we can all get the studio together and jam up some, some like, like live funky stuff. And uh, yeah, start putting it together and try and do it as quick as possible. Try and get out by the middle of next year, the latest, you know. Will you come to America again? If we can, love to. Um, that would be just, it's going to be, you know, just amazing. We haven't been to America for quite a while. And uh, just to do that again would be just amazing. Because America, despite Donald Trump, ain't that bad, you know? <laughs> but you know, we've seen America like in all the pockets of it. And uh, I, I love America. I, I love um, the uh, literature of the uh, 60s, the Kerouacs and stuff, and the doors and the revolution in, in the real people which is so hard to achieve now. Everything's so watched. The Big Brother is like, you know, they're clamping down on freedom of speech. You know, it's like, when everyone fighting over the vaccinations and all sorts of crazy stuff, it's like, fuck that. You know, we need to make some funk and get together. Just, let's all get together and fucking die, you know, and rather than walk around with a mask on forever, you know, like, or, or a, a metaphorical mask, you know. Well, I feel like this this whole thing has made music even that much more crucial, you know? Yeah. And when people come out to a show now, you, you can see it's like, you kind of, it's just, although you just people go back into mode, there's a little kind of a reappreciation of of um, life, you know? And people are, you know, there's definitely some kind of control going on in this whole thing. And, you know, people are, are wanting to be able, allowed to walk around on the planet as an animal that you know, we should be allowed to do. And so hopefully we'll come back to America, yeah, if, we, if, it's, uh, if it opens up like that. Do you anticipate um, a mix of instrumentals and vocal tracks or all vocal or what do you think? Oh, oh it'd be, um, well, I, I was bringing up like, the funk in your pockets, the funk is back kind of stuff like that. Um, and more, some songs too. So of those times that you've gotten out and about, is there one or two just completely unforgettable experiences? I mean, you mentioned James Brown, but was there some other 
uh, experience from being out there on the road? Maybe it was uh, funny or good or bad or just unforgettable. What could you share with us? Well, there was one time, you know, when we come, when we start the show, usually the band's playing and then like me and Andrew will come on. And there's one time Andrew came on the stage and he's somehow he's like slipped over and like he's on his back and he doesn't know whether to keep playing but devote to the music or like stop and like stand up. So I ran on the stage and I thought I'd just lie down next to him just to make it look like it's part of the show. And I just found that really kind of dark. And we had this other show at a place called La Cigale in Paris. And it's kind of weird now because we wouldn't do it now, but we should do like three instrumentals to start before India would come on. And by the time she came in, she it was, it was like, you know, you've had a lot of music, and like, then you get the singers like, wow, wow, wow. And just people were pogoing, like, just like jumping, like, to the music. And response was, you like, you know, groove, but people were pogoing, you know, in a, you know, it was just, um, and that's the sort of energy that I think uh, when we play live, we just want to see people like having a real good time. It's like, a, it's not so much about being watched or marveled at. It's about creating something in the room, which is like a, you know, like an experience where you're all together, you know. And uh, that's that's kind of the goal. So yeah, and we get that. And, we, and the band's fantastic right now. Like. We're doing really, really great shows. We're still jamming between the numbers, like I mentioned before, and forgoing like playing the right set length to just be ourselves and and still partying and still like crazy, you know. Like. So we still got all that energy going. Um, yeah, yeah. So I went off another tangent then, but there, there's a couple of little stories there about memories. Playing with James Brown, we played with. Um, Simply Red at, at Old Trafford Cricket Ground. And it was the first time a concert had ever been played there. And there was like literally like thousands of people there because he's from Manchester, Mick Hucknall. And it's like a, his hometown. And the place holds 70,000 people. There was, must have been like, like 50,000 people. And we went on stage and we did it. We played at Wembley with him. And I remember I, we'd been to America and we used to buy all these crazy clothes from the vintage stores. And I bought this kind of crazy like cowboy orange thing with tassels on it. I always like to play with my teeth and do this sort of show thing. And we were really young, we we're playing this big place and Simply Red had this like, this big extended stage and everything. And we were supposed to stay in the back bit. And I went down the, the front and apparently, because when we, when we were at Wembley, my family were there and they, they and we were playing and, and they heard someone say, stand up, look, there's someone on stage in orange flares. Because it was like, wow, that's a thing, you know. And, and, and on that show, I went, I went down the front and I played with my teeth and I, I was just, my heart was like bracing. When I walked back, the, my guitar tech, because I, I said, how was that? It was like, you should have seen your face. You look like you've seen a ghost, you know, because we were young, you know, we, we kind of launched quite soon to playing with James Brown and doing these massive gigs and playing in local bars, pretty much like of a thing. And that was quite funny. And, uh, you know, and there was a, another time we, we were in Japan and when people go to Japan, you feel like no one's watching so you can go crazy. Like even in the seventies, like Deep Purple made like Made in Japan. Cause you're so adored, they adore you so much. The appreciation levels are like off the hook. And Andrew had this outfit on and he had this like pink silk top, like a halter neck. And he had these like pink jeans with these sort of stars on that like we found in a vintage place. And these boots like the zip up to below the knee, like the big seventies kind of like funk boots with the big heels. And, <laughs> and he just looked so crazy. And we and he, we called him Black Doctor in Pink, like Black Doctor in Pink, a bit like Marcus Welby, MD, you know, or like something like that. And we decided because in the band we were like, "What are you, what are you wearing, man? You look insane." And at that period, we were like, 
we said if you, if you don't laugh at yourself in the mirror before you go on stage then you're not dressed right you know <laughs> we wore some pretty fucking crazy clothes but it was great you know good fun is it right. yeah, it's, it's entertainment as well it's like when i fill out the form on the plane like occupation i like to put entertainer <laughs> as much as musician or something like that because that sounds poncy you know yeah marcus welby that's a vintage uh, reference right there yeah yeah well actually, if you watch the old colombo shows and stuff it's so wonderful because the colors are amazing i think they're shot in technicolor mm. and you get this and the music is all orchestras and everything i mean i used to watch a wi-fi and i saw it on today when i was looking through the tv and i was thinking i can't remember much of the program but the music was so good that you just watch it for the music the intro thing with the guys rowing that drum roll you know fuck just watch it for that you know that's and music was like all live in those days you know like even on chat shows in the uk they have like a guy a national guy like parkinson he was the last guy to have a live band like play in every you know they just play a recorded version right but he had a live band they used to have a live orchestra and play the theme music to the show every time on the show, every time I said, like, it's all live. Fucking crazy, right? It's yeah. hard to imagine. Like imagine. smoking on a plane. It's as hard as imagining smoking on a plane now. <laughs> there was once a, once a time when they had live uh, bands or orchestras playing for, for films, for movies. That's right, yeah. Well, you, incredible, incredible. Well, originally you had a, a, piano, a piano player, didn't you? And they would play and watch the like the, the, the black and white, the Charlie Chaplins and the who's the other guy before him? Anyway, yeah. Buster Keaton. Yeah, the legend, you know, the genius. Um, yeah. Um, and he's it, just watching and going, oh, the bad guys come in, you know, it's like <laughs> Yeah. You're you're kind of a little bit, but I want to ask you in cinemas, it, it, hmm. go ahead. In in movie theaters in England. In, in really fancy ones, before the film started, they had this, uh, they used to have these organs that were all lit and it all would rise up and and this guy would play a lot of organ music on it before the film and then it would sort of go down and you just watch the, the feature. And there was also used to be a B-movie. So you'd get a B-movie and then you see the feature. Do you remember that? Do you have it in America? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, they, well, did, they did, they did a long, long time ago. Yeah, that was actually mm. more of my parents' era when they did that in America. But yeah, I remember, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Simon, I want to ask you to, yeah. uh, is there one uh, album that you is your favorite in your catalog um, or you feel is your you know ultimate effort? The next one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what everyone says. I mean, Endear John in the band, Making It in America, makes the, the brother-sister album. And the first the first album being a kind of naive, made in the dark, if you like, you know, made without pretent pretension to much success, you know, just basically playing gigs and making music and really recording it was um you know kind of amazing thing at 20 22 years old you know that's like thank fuck we did it thank basically andrew took his girlfriend's money and <laughs> she, well, she kindly gave her some money to make this record from her family or something like that or bereavement or something terrible like that. and i'm glad we did it because now we're chatting you know I'm, I'm talking to america on the internet <laughs> fucking awesome man and I love the love that everyone has now because we're all like, I have this kind of um, political party that will never have a name because everywhere you go now, from Hamburg to Tokyo to like, there's a funk club. You know, somewhere, someone's, well, there's, if you like funk, you, sort of, you can go, you can wink at someone because you're in the same, you have, you have a, like a, a brotherhood sisterhood or family you know kinship yeah and I, I like that and i think a lot of people that you know in adversity in life and the adversity that funk music was made from 
the music resonates, the lyrics resonate for years, not just because of like black struggle, but personal struggle. So they kind of like template onto your life. And, and um, you know, means that we've all been oppressed in our own lives by bosses and working and kind of like just going out and boogieing is like a thing, you know, and it is a thing now. And uh, so I, I thank, I thank, world for it being like it because world is a beautiful place you know and, uh, and it's a, a thing to be really happy about um people loving music whether you make it or not it's just like you know it's a it's a it's, a, it's an incredible force and that's so sort of owned and controlled um we, we're chatting to this guy called chris schwartz from rough nation who has like uh cypress hill and the Fuji's and things like that back in the day. And he's got his own vinyl pressing plant. And now a lot of people want to make vinyl because vinyl's in the, on the upper game, you know, it's, or it's, it's, it's in the game again. And um, all the major labels uh, are controlling all the pressing plants because there aren't that many. Obviously thousands closed down probably. And the limited amount there are, are kind of owned by the majors. So the indies aren't getting a chance to, to use them. And that's another sort of thing of, of like corporate control, you know, and stuff. And the funk comes from another place, it comes to the opposite of that. It comes from like the first guy to like scratch a record, you know, doctors, you know, the DJ scratch. Uh, the story is that he's playing music in, the, in his uh, bedroom and his mum shouts up, can you, oh, your dinner's ready, you turn that music down, whatever. So he says, I can't hear you. So he puts his hand on the record to stop it, to stop the, the noise rather than turning it down. And he's like, what's that, mum? <laughs> you know, mama. And he, and he, he says, oh, listen to that. And that's how scratching come about from this one dude, you know. Anyway, things come from small places. It's not about funding and super groups and super teams. It's about, you know, people and on. Um, and so, and so forth you know what i'm saying anyway basically <laughs> why, Although why, I, ramble, I think i'm getting across hopefully <laughs> be, before you get out of here simon i wanted to see if you could rattle off uh if you were stuck somewhere and uh, desert island you only had five albums who do you think you might pick Ooh. Gosh, well, funny enough, I mean, I, I can't make a choice like that, but I can say with the first record that comes to mind is um, Curtis Live, recorded in this sort of small club, because the intro song is like um, Mighty Mighty, Speed and Whitey, and it's, and it's like, not like the record, and it's got this vocal thing, And then someone joins in the harmony. It's like four people, like a wow, wow, bongos. There's nothing there, and and, it's, ooh, ooh. and to me that just makes the hair stand up in the back of my neck. So I'd like to hear that quite a few times. Shit, you know, like Electric Ladyland, Evergreen. Um, you know, the oh gosh, man, you know, some Led Zeppelin. Um, fuck. I really like that most deaf record, you know. Shine your light, shine your light on the world. I don't know, there's too many records, man. It's like... Well, there's <laughs> got to be a James Brown in there, right? Yeah. I think it's James Brown records. There are, there's like one song of them and lots of other stuff. Yeah. He's not like... He didn't make the records like that. But I think In the Jungle Groove, it's, a, it's got the funky drummer on it. And one of my favourite tracks that I play on a DJ is It's a New Day. Mm. Um, which is a really fantastic thing. I mean, because you know, James Brown, it's like, can I just say James Brown? Because <laughs> you have to cheat with James Brown on that one. Yeah, I've had people yeah. pick James Brown and pick like Star Time, you know, which was like the four CD set that was retrospective. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I can dig it. I, re yeah. I really like the um, album Black Caesar because that was a, a, a soundtrack album. And but it's got songs that like uh, this ballad about Mama's dead, 
No longer will I feel your warm embrace. Like a ballad, you know, he did these great ballads. And I do, you know, it's hard, it's hard to say. It's a bit like, yeah, it's a bit like that. Not, not an easy question to answer. I, I, I kind of really like um, some Van Halen records because Ted Templeman just distilled them into these like three minutes of like high energy, kind of amazing solos and just banging song. I mean, the lyrics are kind of daft as anything, but um, the energy is really superb, you know, like, and they're a rock and roll bands, you know. Um, gosh, man. Well, I think I've got a pile of records down there. Oh my God. <laughs> the best of the Beatles. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, anyway, you know, fuck you for asking that question. <laughs> Speaking of the Beatles, have you uh, heard about or seen that new McCartney thing on, on Hulu here in the US? Uh, Rick Rubin. No, I've, I've, I've heard about it and it's um, Rick Rubin or someone? Or? Yeah, yeah. Rick Rubin yeah, with I, Paul I, McCartney. I, I, I wanna, is that news? I haven't, I haven't actually heard about it. I just heard about it earlier on today from someone. Yeah, I love it. Have you seen it? It's great. They're just the two of them with all the original uh, multi-tracks of the Beatles songs, and they're like deconstructing them. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. There's a few of those. It's like a, there's a Steely Dan one, a Hendrix one. There's a load of those. Uh, I don't know if you have that series in America where they get the engineer, you know, Eddie Kramer's on the one. So I, I was, I was wondering, there was miss out like, did they record all in the same room and where was the mics placed? And did they overdub the vocals and things like that? It's like, there's certain things that I'd like to know that might maybe not so interesting because that's a Disney thing, isn't it? That one, I think. It's on Hulu here, which is a streaming service. But um... yeah, yeah, but I think Disney were behind that. And, and uh, but apparently it's really fun because Rick Rubin's asking the question you would ask if you were like, you know, it's more casual or something like that, yeah. like cheeky. It is, and he's got instruments there that he picks up to demonstrate things sometimes. Yeah, got, yeah. so what's it on? It's on the streaming, yeah? What's it called? Um, it's called, I think it's called Paul McCartney uh, 321. Oh, okay, well. Yeah. Anyway, hey, um, <laughs> how, can, uh, how can people keep up with what you have coming, what the heavies have coming, all the good information? Well, we're, we are basically not so good on the social media, but we, we're working on that. So, like, Facebook's quite good. Like, we're working on our website, but it's got all these tour dates on there because we've got, like, a, like 40 dates in the UK. Um, yeah, just on the, on the Instagram and the Twitter and, um, and Facebook, you know, yeah. And you're going to possibly release that record you mentioned that from four years ago that uh, is different. Oh, what's that one? You mentioned, you mentioned that other uh, record you were working on for a few years that's different from the heaviest music. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I am. It's like 34 years old. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. I'm oh, 34 years. I thought you said four years old. You know, it's 34 years old. It's wow. Basically, I, I started doing it, and it's like, I, I, I had this little um, cassette four-track recorder. I had it in L.A. And uh, I was writing kind of like, there's this one track called Alphabet Street by Prince. That's the kind of time I was writing it. And, um, and uh, we had this college band and we did this thing at the end of the year in, in art college and I listened to the beat on that side because I play drums as well and I lo I'm really interested in drum patterns and the shape of them over the bars and this sort of thing and, uh, it's like dun 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 so it sort of starts and stops. It's like it doesn't goes over the bars weird. So I took it and I did this bass line like um, I did it more like a swing. And the riff is like like so it's like a bit rocky. It's a bit more like hard. Like but it's it's kind of based on the funk, but like. Dun, 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 
And it goes, but it's a bit more like, oh, Bob, don't you? It's kind of like, ah, 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 like that, rather than like, ah, 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 like that. <laughs> That's kind of, and I, I had this other tune, so I had this Italian girlfriend, I recorded, I, I, I used a matchbox as a shaker, and I did this kind of love song for this Italian girl, and she couldn't pronounce things properly. So when she said, Steve Ray Vaughan, she said, Steve Ray Vaughan. And there's, a, there's a, a place in London called Shepherd's Bush, and she's called it Shepherd's Bush. And I was like, what? Sorry, Shepherd's Bush. <laughs> so I wrote this song like, I was down in Shepherd's Bush, and I went to see Stevie Ray Vaughan, and I met a woman. It's like, it's so stupid, like, it's like that. But it's just like, just write the shit down and learn. <laughs> so it's quite funny. Another funny little story, we had this interview with this German dude, I mean, on this day of press, and we do all these interviews, and this guy said, oh, tell me about the wipes. Right, sorry? No, the wipes, you know, the wipes. We're like, we just, so we took like 10 minutes, and we finally, he was saying vibes in German. <laughs> well, tell me about the vibes. The vibes, we're like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? <laughs> There's more stories than that. These aren't the greatest stories. <laughs> Sex, the drugs, the rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got kids. I can't tell you all the stories. <laughs> How many kids do you have? Uh, two kids, yeah. 11 and, and nine, yeah. Any musical talent? Well, my son, we're separated now. And he was with his mum and, and he plays the bass and he's really little and he's got this giant bass. And he's like, he learned the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more, no more. Ray Charles. And so I showed him. Yeah, and then. And he gets it because when he was a kid, and if you've got a little baby in your hands, I was really, when I used to sing to him, I'd hold him on against me and I'd put rhythm in his back. I really put like beats in back and I would make up songs and sing songs and make sure my pitching was really like, kind of like, put in so that we have this pitching thing and notes and tonality like that and rhythm. And I kind of was consciously teaching the music like that. I'm not going to push it on them, you know, so much because, uh, but they he goes for it. He has drum lessons in school and he can play like a beat on the drum kit. And I want to nurture some of that, but it's quite nice if it comes from them, you know, um, and recently he's got this thing called Just Dance, which is like a, all these kind of like tunes and you dance to it and you hold these controllers in your hand and you get points. <laughs> and that's quite crazy. So they're doing all these sort of like moves like, I'm going to ride my car to the uptown road, I'm going to ride, you know, so, and it's like a line dancing version. So we're like, me and my kids in the front room, like, doing this fucking line dancing. But it's kind of cool. That's fine. Hey, it keeps you in shape too. Yeah, it does, man. My, my few little muscles up here because a lot of up and out. You don't often do that in life. Like, <laughs> yeah, man. Excellent. You got kids or anything? I have a, a son who uh, fortunately is able to sing, like unlike cool. me. So he takes after his mom as far as that goes. <laughs> you got. <laughs> yeah, he's also pretty good at music too, but I haven't pushed him much. He plays alto sax just like I did. He plays my old, I gave him my, my old alto sax. Oh, nice, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I see hey. you have a guitar. So you're a multi-instrumentalist, right? Yeah. Well, I love guitar. Um, you know, that's definitely my first love musically. Um, and, uh, you know, I've uh, attacked it many times, hoping to like, you know, get really good and just, you know, plateau and just kind of then stop pushing, you know. So. Yeah, I think it's about like really um, it's just enjoying it, you know, and just sing and play and enjoy that. You know, that's like the key thing, I think, rather than have visions of grandeur of any sort because, well, you know, obviously do that, but um, just enjoy the thing, pick it up and go, wow, you know, I can play a chord, listen to that. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just take it like that, you know. I remember when I was learning, like you, you do hit, like you learn something and you get stuck and then you just keep playing and they go, oh, you find something else that makes it more interesting for you. 
you know, you just got to keep picking it up and playing it. And the best thing is to jam with your friends, you know, get a friend round, then you play the, you, you hold it down and they solo over it and then you take it in turns and you get time then. Time's really important, I think. Hey, I appreciate your time. It's been fun uh, talking to you and getting to know you better. So thank you. Yeah, well, we've got to do it again. When we get the album out, let's talk again, man. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Thanks, sir. If I talk too much. Thank you so okay, much. Bye. <laughs> Ciao, bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkinstuff.net, buying Everything is on the One, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkinstuff.net, and linking through funkinstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven, results-oriented, professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the media services section at funkinstuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at scottg at funkinstuff.net. I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on keep vibing on to the rhythm of the one.